This morning, I want to talk with you a, a continuance on our study that we uh, started the last time I spoke, which was on Galatians chapter 3. And so I felt that it would be important to go back and to, uh, to go over Galatians chapter 3 very briefly to recap that chapter before we jump into Galatians chapter 4. These two studies have been incredible for me. Uh, they've been incredibly enjoyable, and my understanding of what was going on uh, with the churches of Galatia and with Paul as he was traveling and preaching has, uh, has grown, and I've, I've enjoyed that a lot, and hopefully, hopefully uh, we can do the same for you this morning. So we started off in Galatians chapter 3 last time saying, oh foolish Galatians. That's what Paul says. And so if we, if we look there in Galatians chapter 3, Paul starts the chapter and he says, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And Paul goes throughout Galatians chapter 3 and he admonishes the Galatians, I guess. He, he rebukes the Galatians for their actions and for the traditions of the old Moses law that they were allowing to slip back into their lives. And, and it was controlling them. We remember from that chapter that anytime we saw the word law, it was referring to Moses' law. Whenever we saw the word uh, faith, in that chapter, most of the time, not every time, but usually it was referring to Jesus or obedience to Jesus or uh, obedience to Jesus, maybe even particularly in baptism later on in the chapter when the word may be mentioned. The problem that the Galatians are having, and this is a spot where I, I may have misspoke last time, uh, and then throughout my study I learned that it probably wouldn't, I probably wasn't as far off as I thought, so a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, right? Uh, what I mentioned last time was that the Galatians were former Jews, and that's really not accurate. Really, there were probably more Gentiles than there were former Jews. But the more I study, the more I realize that how many uh, who would have been former Jews there really were in Galatia at the time. And hopefully I can prove that further throughout our study today. That may not seem significant to you, but we have to remember the problem that the Galatians were having. The, the struggle that Paul had as he, was, as he was there admonishing the Galatians. That was part of the whole problem. As they were trying to hold on to traditions from Moses' law. There were these, uh, these Jews who, who hadn't accepted Christ yet. Who didn't believe Christ. I, I don't know what their problem was. But they were trying to convince the Christians in Galatia. That they needed to continue to be obedient to parts of the Moses' law. And Paul came in, he's telling them this is wrong. That was the whole point of chapter 3, uh, or most of it rather. Uh, that's Paul's admonition through chapter 1, and that's some of Paul's admonition through chapter 4 as well. There were these, these Jews or these Christians who were Jews, and it was easy for them to slip back into Moses' law. It's easy for them to want to hold and to cling on to those traditions. And you would think, well, that probably makes it easier when... A lot of these people were former Jews. It'd be a lot easier for them to slip back into that rather than some Gentile off the street who was being pulled into Moses' law. Or if you were a Gentile, a former Gentile, and you accepted Christ, you would think, well, it's a lot easier now because here's all these other Christians and they're doing this. They're trying to convince me uh, to follow some of these traditions from the old law. 
And so once some of those things clicked for me, things just started to make a lot more sense. Uh, moving on, I didn't, I didn't plan to say all that. Moving on, the point of chapter 3 was that these Galatians needed to cling to Christ. They needed to be obedient in their faith to Christ. They needed to be faithful to Christ, not faithful to that old law. And he uses Abraham to, uh, to teach about that faith. As he finishes up in the chapter, as we move into chapter 4, let's start in verse 26. He says, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's where we start in chapter 4 where Paul is talking about heirs to this promise. And so we're going to read the first 20 chapter. Uh, the first 20 verses, rather, of chapter 4. Uh, we're not going to read the entire chapter. I feel like there's somewhat of a break uh, in starting in verse 21. And so, if you'd like, we're not going to have any of these verses up on the board today until we get finished up with the chapter. But we're going to read the first 20 verses of Galatians chapter 4. And we move on from these foolish Galatians to talking about how these Galatians are the sons of God. We pick up in verse number 1 where Paul says that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were under children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And so let's back up and, and we'll understand these first few verses uh, very quickly, Paul said, we all understand how the inheritance works, and, and that's what Paul is, is teaching, the inheritance of God. Uh, he's teaching it in that same way right now. And he says that if there's a child, and when he says the word child here, what he really means is an infant. And so he doesn't maybe mean a, a grown child, but an infant. He says, though, you know, if an infant becomes an inheritance of maybe their parent's uh, whatever their parents' belongings are, he says they're no different than a servant. They, they don't obtain those possessions yet. It's not in their control yet. There's nothing they can rule over yet or own. They're, they're a child. They're an infant. He says they differ nothing uh, from a servant. And it says in verse number 2, until the time appointed by the Father, until they've grown up, until they understand and he, he relates that now to being under the old law, under Moses' law. And then he brings that into when Christ came. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. A human. When God sends his son as a human, made by humans, then... We, we also can become heirs in that way. Let's see. Verse number 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And he's giving further evidence to the passing away of the old law, to now needing to be faithful to Christ. Before, if you want to live under the old law, you're like a son who has no right to its inheritance. 
There's no longer an inheritance there for you. He says that then Christ came to redeem them that were passed formerly under the law. And now they can receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, it says in verse number 6, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And so he talks about people living under the old law. They were like a, uh, someone who didn't earn their inheritance yet. And then when Christ came, he made it so that they had matured, basically, to receive that inheritance. And you have to remember. You, you go, okay, yes. Well, yeah, that makes sense to me. You have to remember that Paul is teaching here to people who were trying to cling to that old law. And it makes a lot more sense then. And you understand the struggle. Paul's gone in four chapters deep now, uh, preaching and admonishing these Galatians. In verse number 8, In verse number, sorry, I thought I might have missed verse 7. In verse number 8, uh, if you're reading an Esword, it talks about Paul's concern for the Galatians. So Paul kind of shifts gears a little bit, going about from the adoption of sons and teaching these Galatians how through Christ now they have this eternal inheritance uh, and showing now his concern for them. He says in verse number 8, How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that, ye have known God, or rather, are known of God. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. And so what Paul is saying here is, why, why are you trying to go back to that old law? It's no good. There's no inheritance. There's no reward. It's old. It's done away with. He says, now that you... Know God, and God knows you. Why are you trying to go back to a time when you received no inheritance? When God didn't know you? Verse number 10, where he says, You observe days, months, times, and years, uh, is very widely understood to mean Jewish holidays or Jewish traditions. And so that's what he's talking about there. Verse number 11 is important, where Paul says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. What Paul is saying to the Galatians now is, I'm afraid I have wasted my time. I've spent time here teaching you for who knows how long. And now I'm afraid that it's all been in vain. I'm afraid I've wasted my time because y'all continue to cling to some of the Jewish tradition. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. In my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. So Paul says that the only reason he really preached to them in the first place was because it says there an infirmity. And what that means is a, a, an injury, a tip, particularly a physical injury. So the only reason Paul had an opportunity or had the opportunity that quickly, maybe, would be a better way to say it, was because he had some physical injury, he had some problem, and he found himself there teaching to the Galatians. That's why he was there. And when he says, my temptation, in verse number 14, he's talking about that bodily injury. 
my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despise not. They didn't turn him away. They didn't reject him because of that injury or because of that problem that he had. Rather, they received him. And I suppose at this point, as Paul is admonishing the Galatians, that tensions are getting high, that, that it's a little bit uncomfortable, most likely. And he says, where is the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He said, just a while back, you were taking care of You would have given me your own eye if I needed it. They loved Paul. They wanted the best for Paul. They were taking care of Paul. And now here he's, why is he being mean to us? And he says, am I therefore your enemy because I tell you the truth? He says, don't get upset with me. I'm telling you the truth. I care about you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it's good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. I think that this speaks volumes. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. But what Paul says to them in verses 19 and 20. Uh, specifically verse 19 he says of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you and we have no idea what that means until you dig a little deeper and what that means is I'm in pain I'm in pain over your lack of understanding that you need to follow Christ Paul loved these people so much and Paul put so much time and effort into helping the Galatians that he said when Basically, whenever they are not obedient to Christ, it puts him in pain. Pain like you would experience in childbirth. That's how much it hurt Paul to know that the Galatians were struggling with this. To know that they were having trouble giving their lives to Christ. That's incredible to me, that it affected Paul that much. And so that's the first 20 verses of Galatians chapter 4. And so I want to very, very quickly, throughout the remainder of our study, I want to talk about just a few lessons I think we can learn from these 20 verses. And if we wanted to dig into exactly what the scriptures were saying, uh, and take Paul's teachings, rather, maybe the right way to say that, I think we'd learn some of the same lessons we've learned in chapter 3, or from understanding Galatians as a whole. But rather, I think some of the biggest lessons to learn here are, are not exactly what Paul's saying, but why Paul's saying them and Paul's motivation behind saying those things. If you will bear with me, I'd like to go to Acts chapter 14 for just a moment. Paul says that the only reason that he had the opportunity to, to speak to the Galatians was because of some physical ailment that he had, because of an injury. And we don't know what that injury was, but I've heard some, uh, I've talked to some other brethren, and, and I've heard them say that there's a very likely chance that it's what is spoke of here in Acts chapter 14. I'm not saying that I believe that or that's 100% the fact, but if not, it gives us an idea of maybe what Paul was going through. And so in Acts chapter 14, in the first number verse, uh, in the first verse, it says, And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, 
And so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews and also of, Greek, of Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Sounds a lot like what's going on here in Galatia, doesn't it? Verse number 3, Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. Verse number 5 is where it gets interesting. And when, they were, and when there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully, and to stone them. Paul was stoned in Iconium. He was stoned uh, because there was some tension there. There were some problems there with the Jews and the Gentiles. Then it says that, but the unbelieving Jews stirred, stirred up the Gentiles. That sounds exactly like what was going on here in Paul's letter to the Galatians. And then they both stoned him. And I wonder if that's the injury that Paul was talking about. There's a lot of similarities there. Now, if we look at a, a map, who I don't know that, who know I don't know if it's exactly accurate, but from what we can see uh, here in Galatia, in this region of Galatia, likely where Paul was here in the bottom uh, central, the south central area of Galatia, there's Iconium, and it makes a lot of sense to me. It, at the minimum, we can see that maybe this is something that Paul could have been going through. Maybe this is the injury that he's talking about. And if it's not, and if it's not related whatsoever, it gives us an idea of what Paul would go through when he would go and teach places. It gives us an idea of maybe what that injury was. And there's a, for all you zoomed in fans, there's a, a larger depiction of where Iconium was there within the region of Galatia, what is modern day Turkey. I find that incredibly interesting, and I hope that you do as well. Uh, to me, that just adds, adds a little bit to the understanding of, of potentially what was going on. And so it makes a little bit more sense now when we go back and we remember reading Galatians chapter 4, that Paul had some physical ailment, and the Galatians that he speaks to in Galatians chapter, in, in the book of Galatians, they took him in, and they took care of him, and they tended to him. And they would have given him their eye if they could have. He was hurt. Can you imagine if somebody came in here today, bloody, beaten up, bruises all over him, maybe a broken bone, and what we'd think? We'd be like, hey, wait, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> what's, what happened to you? And the Galatians took him in, and they cared for him. And he said in Galatians chapter 4, and I, I should have made note of this because now I'm looking for it. It says in verse number 14, My temptation which was in my flesh, he despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God. Which gives hint that there would have been places who turned him away and said, Hey, you know, no thank you. you go, somebody else will take care of you, I'm sure. The Galatians could have continued to beat on him and wail on him. Oh, that's the guy that they were having trouble with down in Iconium. Let's get him out of here. But they took him in. Which just shows the bond now that the Galatians and Paul formed. <clears throat> I think that's pretty incredible. That they, 
obtained a level of, of care for each other and love for each other that Paul truly cared about what was best for them and they, they cared for Paul. And it got to the point where things got rough because he was telling them that they were wrong. He was trying to admonish them to follow Christ. And he says that when, when he sees them and when he sees their struggle, it puts him in pain and childbirth. And that's incredible to me. How much he really truly cared for them. What can we learn from Paul here? We can learn some things from Paul's teachings and we'll talk about that as we close up this morning. But I think what may be equally as important here for us today is what we can learn from Paul and his love for the Galatians. You know, what's our reaction when we hear of somebody who's got a problem? Maybe some addiction or some bad sin problem. We go, you know, we feel bad for them. We'll pray for you. Maybe we forget a week later or two weeks later. Oftentimes, I think, even in the slightest way, if we will allow ourselves to admit it, we think, I wouldn't do that. I'd never stoop to that level. I've, I've personally studied with people over and over again and then left the study going, what is their problem? They can't get it through their head and go, you know what? It, I, my time will be better spent with somebody else. My time will be better spent working on somebody else or trying to study with someone who's going to be open-minded. Imagine if Paul had said that. Book of Galatians wouldn't have been as interesting, I suppose. May not have had a book of Galatians. But he loved them so much that he stuck there with them. And as long as he was there, and I suppose it was until he was healed physically, he, he stuck with them. Not only that, but as they continued to be hard-headed, it hurt him whenever they had trouble. Whenever they had not some pain or some sickness or illness, when they had spiritual trouble, it hurt him physically. Do we strive to be honest with people? What about our, our people here? Are we honest with each other? Paul was in a, an interesting situation. These people had taken him in. They took care of his, his injury, whatever that entailed. Whether it was stoning or not, I, I don't know. They took care of him. And now he's going, okay, I, I still have to rebuke these people. Whether they've taken care of me, whether they've been nice to me, whether I'm worried about what they're going to say or not, I'm worried about they're, they're going to kick me out or not, they have to know the truth. I have to teach them the truth. And Paul rebuked them anyways. And it was clearly uh, an uncomfortable situation. And I just wonder if we feel the same way about each other. Are, are we willing to rebuke, rebuke each other? Am I willing to go to Brit and say, dude, you, that's messed up. That's not okay. I, you know, to be honest with you, I'd be a little worried about what he's going to say. That doesn't seem to be the, the situation with Paul. And he knew that he could be stoned or beat up or torn apart or assaulted because it says there in Acts chapter 14, it, whether or not it was this situation, he, he went to Iconium and they stoned him for telling the truth. They stoned him for rebuking those people there. We oftentimes, we get so worried about what someone's going to say or well, there could be an awkward situation. I, I, I don't know exactly what Garland's going to say if I go to him and say this. 
Paul had been stoned. And we're worried about an awkward situation sometimes. Do we strive to be honest with each other? You know, Paul was doing this for strangers. And, and we're here. We, we know each other well. Are we honest with each other? When we see something that maybe isn't right, are we going to rebuke our, our brother? I think it boils down to love. And that might hurt. But in verses 16 and 19, which we have now already read, I jumped ahead a little bit. I think we see the love that Paul has where he says, Am I therefore your enemy? We've been friends. You would have given me your eye if I had asked for it. And he tells them in the 19th verse that I love you so much that I'm under the pain of childbirth when I see things not going well for you. When I see things that you have spiritual problems. Paul, Paul loved the Galatians more than we love each other. I think it's true. In John chapter 13 and the 34th verse, Jesus speaking here says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Paul loved them Galatians. Some of them had already beat him to a pulp. And he goes to another city or a nearby city and he continues to teach to him and preach to him. Not because it was his job or his duty or those things are true. But I think it's evident that it's only because he loved them and he wanted to see them faithful to Christ. Love is tending to the flock. John chapter 21 Jesus here in this uh, very famous conversation with Peter. And this is just the third time he asked him. He asked him three times if he loves him. Here it says, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Go to the Galatians and help them. They need help. They're struggling with this. Feed them. Help them to understand. Help them to see. It wasn't a matter of duty or obligation or something that he just couldn't ignore because he saw it and what was wrong, but it was because he loved them. And it's not just because Paul loved the Galatians and because they took care of him whenever he had been beaten up or whatever his ailment was. But it's because he loved God. I think we can learn a great lesson from that today. What are you doing today as, as spiritual aid to others? To the person sitting next to you or the row behind you or across the room? What, what can we be doing? James 5 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We're, there, we're to be there for one another. 
And I think we can go as far as to say that just like Paul was for these Galatians, pray for one another, but be there for each other, help each other. Not just in physical ailment or sickness or whatever it may be, but spiritually. Be there for each other spiritually. Pray for each other spiritually that we may be strengthened. Because of Paul's love for Christ, there wasn't anything he wouldn't have done for those Galatians. And as we see, he tells the Galatians, now later on, I'm jumping ahead to a few sermons from now, I guess, but he says, bear ye one another's burdens. And that's how you fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And then in verse number 9 he says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I suppose Paul had chance after chance to give up on the Galatians and go, You know what? I'm going somewhere else. Somewhere where they're going to listen to me. You know, I've got other places I'm going. I'm not even supposed to be here. I just happened to be here because they stoned me in Iconium. I'm going. Instead, he stuck around and he loved them. Are you willing to rebuke or to correct your brother? We see Paul's example in this earlier on in Galatians, in the second chapter, where Paul rebukes Peter for the way he's acting around different people around Jews or Gentiles who he's willing to eat with or see, be seen with. And Paul goes and he rebukes Peter to his face. Are we willing to do that? For each other. Not because, well, we're supposed to or, yeah, that's not right, I guess, but because we love each other. Because we care for each other. It doesn't have to be when someone's doing some public big wrong thing. It doesn't have to be because they've got this big, hairy, nasty problem in our eyes. But when we see someone who needs spiritual help, we just go help them because we love them. We love Christ. Ephesians 5 says, And have no fellowship, rather, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Help people to see their issues. Paul had to get rough with the Galatians a time or two. He starts out chapter 3 saying, oh, foolish Galatians. But he had to reprove them. He had to help them understand. He had to help them to see. And he says it just in chapters 3 and 4, more times than I can even go back and count. How many different ways he tried to tell them, have faith in Christ. Quit following these Jewish traditions. But he loved them and he rebuked them. And he, again, as we've mentioned several times in the 16th verse of chapter 4, am I therefore your enemy because I tell you the truth? Do you not love me anymore? I still love you. Do you not love me? I'm just trying to help you. Just trying to love you. So, moving on from what we can learn there from Paul and, and really his love for the Galatians. What, what can we learn from his actual teaching now to the Galatians? Okay, so what is he teaching to the Galatians and how can we learn from that as well? And the first admonition that Paul gives the Galatians there in chapter 4 is that they need to desire and want to be an heir of God. And 
he, he goes on later, a few verses later, to call that an adopted son. In verse number 5, he says, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Those who don't know God don't receive his adoption. Can you, can you imagine today a family who adopted someone, and then years later, they, they don't include him in inheritance? We would think, that's a little messed up, you know? That's kind of not cool. They adopted him. They loved each other. They took him in. They cared for him. We want to receive that adoption that is talked about here in Galatians chapter 4. And we can see how to do that in the latter parts of Galatians chapter 3, which we read as we introed into this chapter. He says there's, there's no difference. There's no difference between you if you're Jew or Greek, if you're bond or free, if you're male or free male. There's no difference in any of these things. He says in verse 26, backing up, for you're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You want to be an, an heir? You want to be an adopted son? Then you have to do that through faith in Christ. You have to do that through your baptism, he says in verse number 27. For as many of you have, excuse me, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You want to be an heir to Christ today, an heir to his promises today. You must be obedient to him. You must be obedient to your faith in Jesus. Let me tell you, you are a child of God today. And that's what drove Paul day after day. Now, Paul wasn't perfect. I'm tooting his horn a lot today, but Paul did those things for the Galatians. Paul loved the Galatians. Paul was willing to be stoned for the Galatians because he loved them. Let me tell you, you today are a child of God. And that's important. And if you wake up every morning and remember that you are a child of God, you will, you will live a better life. If you remember that you are an heir that is talked about, that Paul teaches about here in Galatians chapter 4, that you are an heir and you will inherit the promises of God. You will live a better life. You will have a better day. And so I want to challenge you today. Do something that I've recently started doing, and I hope that you can do the same if you feel up to it. It's very easy. But if you have a reminder app on your phone, I encourage you to go and, and set a reminder today that, that happens every morning, about 10 minutes after your alarm, that just says, I am a child of God. And I want you to remember that every morning. Just as importantly, I think it's understanding the difference in what Paul said just a verse later, so verse 6 or 7 or so. All right, I'll read it. Verse 9. He says, But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, then how turn ye again, he says. I think it's important to know the difference in knowing God and God knowing you. The Galatians knew God, knew who God was, but did God know them? 
and their continual efforts to be pulled back in to Moses' old law or the traditions from some of those Jews or former Jews. Did they know God or did God know them? Paul is very clear to make that distinction in verse number 9. There's a difference here. In Luke chapter 13, it says there in a few verses, when, when once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door, and he begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. We see several different depictions of this verse or this passage throughout the Gospels. But here paints a really good picture of someone who, who knew this Lord when the Lord didn't know them. We, we've eaten with you. We've sat at your table, Lord. And he says, I, I do not know you. And I think this is the distinction that Paul made in, in verse number 9. You may know me, but I don't know you. You know what he's talking about? I don't recognize you. You may know me as God. You may know me as your Lord. But what I don't recognize, I don't recognize you as an heir. I don't recognize you as an adopted son. You're not my child. For you're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as, been, as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I want to be an heir of that promise. I want to work on loving my fellow Christians or my neighbors or the guy down the street or whoever it is. The way Paul showed his love to the Galatians. If there's a need that the church can help you with today, we ask that you let that need be known shortly as we stand and sing a song. Paul had an incredible amount of love for these Galatians. And, and that's, in, that's absolutely breathtaking to me, how much he loved them. Paul wanted them to be an heir of that promise. Paul wanted them to be obedient. It hurt him. And I challenge you as we go throughout the rest of this week and on, on throughout our lives that we strive to love in that way. That we strive to care for each other in that way. That we strive to not let some awkward situation get in the way of us rebuking our brother if that's what's needed. It probably won't be fun. I'm assuming Paul got pretty good at it after a while and it was still not very, going very well for him at times. But that's what we're called to do. If you want to be an heir of that promise, you can do that. It takes faith in Christ Jesus. It takes obedience to Jesus in baptism. If there's that or any other need the church can help you with today, come as we sing our song.